Yo, what's going on everyone? It's Brian here with Drink a Beer and Play a Game, and welcome to another episode of the Power Hour Podcast. Last week, Jim and I, we had to take a little break. I was on vacation, he was down the shore, so we just didn't have enough time to bang one of these out. And of course, now Jim has been caught up in all the nefarious shit that he's been doing, and he's in jail. So make sure you send him lots of love, because he's going to need it, other than the love he's getting. I'm just fucking with you. He um he's going through the lovely mental prison of dealing with new home shit. And as anyone can tell you, today was his moving day. A million things went wrong. There's a lot of issues with the house. You know how that shit goes. So I decided let me not take another week off. Let me come at you guys and uh, say welcome back, or thank you for welcoming me back. So um, since last time we talked, uh, first we want to give a big shout out to Video Ditch for allowing Gemini to join them. Make sure you check the links below because uh, that was a lot of fun. We got to talk some JRPGs, fighting games, and it was a great time. So if you're not already, subscribe to those guys. Give them a follow. But I'm back. Uh, it's been, whew, I feel like it's been like two months where I've just had issue after issue and i've been dealing with sinus shit i've been put on antibiotics i'm actually at a on a round of steroids right now uh little tip if you ever go to an ear nose and throat doctor be prepared they may shove a big ass needle up your nose because that's what happened to me last week was not fun at all was not expecting it but so is life but uh i'm drinking away my problems tonight and i'm just still got two cans of that very delicious medieval wit which um, I knew I wanted to finish. Outside of that, I have I still have some pumpkin beers from last year. I have some really heavy IPAs. But my first day back to drinking, I was like, you know what? Let me take it easy. I still technically am on steroids, so I don't think you're supposed to mix them. But you don't tell anyone, I won't. So, yeah, delicious, delicious beer coming to us from Free Will Brewing Company. It's the Belgian-style white ale with orange peel and coriander. <clears throat> There's only going to be about another month of summer, and then I'm I'm switching over my Oktoberfest, my pumpkin beers, all my heavy beers. So I got to get all the light stuff out of the way now. So, as I said last week, we I was on vacation. I did basically no gaming. However, as I mentioned in the previous episode, I finally did finish Body Harvest. Um, it's a game. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what I say when we go through the review because I, I respect what it tried to do. I, I think it just it tried too much and it just, for whatever reason, did not work out for us. Well, for them. So you'll get to see that review. Um, as soon as Jim is good and settled, we'll, we'll go through all those. But in the meantime, um, I played some Dead by Daylight here and there and that's kind of been it i just have like i said i just have not had shit for time to do anything so um once again i'm hoping to keep banging out some games because it's all it's going to be august in a few days and i'm only like 16 games of the 23 now i know i could bang out some easy ones but i got some heavy hitters and plus with the texas chainsaw massacre coming out um, the Mortal Kombat 1 game, I know I'm going to get both of those. I'm sure I'll get the new COD, but I still want to bang out God of War 2. I got a lot of things I need to get through. So it, it's going to be a race to the finish. So I hope if any of you are joining us for the 23 and 23, you've been letting us know. And 
Hope you're going a lot better than us. I know a lot of you out there have already surpassed that number by a lot. Uh, Jim, I know he's he's hanging in there. I think he just finished uh, Mario Odyssey. So that's a big game. Um, I'm sure he'll do a couple small ones now. We'll see where he goes with it. But like I said, if you guys are following along, please let me know and cheers. But speaking of you guys, you know, we do this podcast. We, we love interacting with you all. And a huge, huge part of this is the fact that you guys love to send, you know, your questions in for supporting us. And if you do or would like to support us anymore, we're at patreon.com at drink a beer and play a game. And for as little as two bucks on each and every one of these power hours, you can ask us a question and some of the higher tiers, you can get game reviews like we're going to do for Body Harvest, or you can do movie reviews. And we have a specialty podcast on there with our, our good buddy, Nerdy Neck. So let's see what questions you guys got. Um, got three questions this week. So the first one comes to us from Todd Howard Sucks. Are you ready to use X instead of Twitter? You know, it is funny. As the guy who doesn't go on social media that much, I, I saw a bunch of backlash about this. And, okay, I'm not going to lie. It's a big it's a big move to go ahead and change the logo. And, and you're still called Twitter. But, man, it's a, it's a ballsy thing, right? Like... You're, you're changing a known logo, so it's going to fuck with, like, not only your platform, but now everyone's site. And I know it can transfer over easy enough, but um, I don't know if it's a great or smart idea. Of course, I'm going to still use it. The, the gazillion people who every time Elon announces something, they're like, oh, I'm switching platforms. I think a lot of people tried threads. I know there's a few other whatevers out there. But it's kind of like when people get upset at YouTube, like, where are you going to go? Vimeo or somewhere else? You know it's still going to be the main thing. So I'm ready for it. It doesn't matter. It's just a name. And honestly, people call for, like, the old days of Twitter. I've never known a good day of Twitter because I wasn't on it. And it seemed like all people do on there is bitch or bemoan shit. So... Yeah, I, I think it's um it's a big shakeup and it's a way for Elon to kind of be like, this is really mine, but I think that's really it. So you guys let me know. What do you think? Do you think it's a terrible, terrible idea or do you not care and you're kind of like me? All right. Actually, there's only two questions. Uh, the second question comes to us from Vern Retinas. And he asked, a better stay-at-home feeling snow days as a kid or the office slash your job telling everyone the power is out Ooh. you know i'm gonna say snow days as a kid and it's really simple because as a kid that is like your whole world you you just Every time you see it snow a little bit or you hear that it could have snowed, you are so excited that, like, oh, my God, I might get to stay home. And part of the, you know, the first excitement is, first, obviously, no school. But second, you get to go play in the snow. Now, I can't speak for everyone, but I know as a kid in my neighborhood, everyone was out. You go skiing, you go build snowmen, you hit each other in the face with snowballs, whatever you were going to do. 
it was an awesome day. And if you were someone who didn't love snow, you got to stay inside, drink hot cocoa, and watch TV. Um, I think kids today, though, like my son was is only in kindergarten. So I know schools nowadays, like God forbid there's just inclement weather. They like pre like say schools closed just to cover their asses. Um, I think it's still special, but then what I've also seen is you're expected when you go home to like go home with your tablet or computer and they may still do like virtual learning. So I hope that's not the case. I mean, I get it at the end of the year. It's, you don't have to have makeup days, but give, give kids those snow days because there's nothing better. Now, when it comes to the office and job telling you the power's out, that is awesome, especially when I work restaurants and shit. I mean, it would happen very, very rarely. But where I work now, um, they would be like, cool, you can still work at home or do whatever. So there's no really like just you get a day off. And in, in a lot of cases, some of the jobs I had, it's not like I would get paid for that. I would just be off. So as much as I did enjoy those, nothing beats snow day as a kid. I mean, yeah, like I said, you, you just absolutely love that. So great question though, Vern Retinas. And with that, that actually is going to close up our Patreon questions this week. So guys, remember, if you have questions, you want to ask us anything, please reach out, let us know. And thank you all once again for everyone who does support us. And if you would like to support us, that that is uh, patreon.com slash drink a beer and play a game. Cheers, guys. <laughs> all right. So first topic we got, man. This Bud Light saga is just going and going. I thought this shit was going to be done. But um, <laughs> the latest comes to us from Costco. Now, anyone who goes to Costco or any of those BJs, whatever, um, you know, they sell shit in bulk. And uh, like we've seen in a lot of places, not only did they start slashing the prices of Bud Light because they apparently can't get rid of them, They've now added the little asterisk, or as other people refer to it, the Death Star. So what it means in Costco, and I'll have the, the little picture up here, is um, they'll put a little asterisk at the top of the, like, the little tag that tells you the price. And what that typically denotes is it will not be restocked once that stock is out. I can't say I'm shocked because I am still like every time I go to the beer store, dude, the Bud Light is stacked to the top. Other shit is being sold out. And I actually saw something today where Yingling is literally catching up the Bud Light and these other major beers. It's like vying for the spot of number one now. Like before Jim and I were saying they've had such an amazing like ascension and all this bullshit, which is something that makes me happy, especially PA proud. But uh, yeah, it's it's going. I mean, I think everyone thought it would be a quick fad. And I think Bud Light did a terrible job of like trying to play both sides. But it's a very, you know. We know that, that, you know, their main parent company will be just fine. They have a million things. I know no one's actually worried about it, but yeah, Bud Light. It, I mean, if you're a Bud Light fan, this is the time for you because you can get that beer cheap as shit. Um, you know, this is, this is just what happens with these 
silly ass campaigns that you know I, I don't know what to tell you it just Bud Light's not that good of a beer so it's I don't think anyone's gonna cry for them but uh I don't know what do you guys think I mean is it going overboard do you think there's gonna be I mean there's bound to be a plateau point right at some point people will be like whatever but <laughs> you know the thing Bud Light should worry about is that Coors and Miller were like the three names in town and if somebody goes off Bud Light it's not like it's going to be that taste you miss so much if you go to a Miller or Coors there is differences as Jim and I have found out but it's not enough where you're like god damn it do I miss the taste of Bud Light they're gonna go no I'll just have this other they'll get so used to their other beer that if Bud Light was their go-to and they decided to stop it then they've they're probably switched for good so I don't know. I give it another couple months. Maybe you start seeing this shit level out. <clears throat> but I don't know. You guys tell me. Do you think it's overblown at this point? Who cares? It's a bad beer. Whatever. All right. So now let's move on to another interesting little leak and something that I would call a typical overreaction. So coming to us from BGR.com, the Project Q leak confirmed all my fears that of the PS5 handheld by Jacob Siegel. So in this article, um, he got to take a look and and uh, showed some of ZubiTech's videos, uh, kind of, I'll call it playtesting, but really again, the, the play around with the Project Q. Um, the big takeaways is that it's essentially just an Android device with the pro controllers kind of squeezed in. Now, the, the person writing this article said, like, this is a very big fear because right off the bat, this is just not for him. Even though he's saying that there's a resurgence of handheld games, which I, I don't know if I agree with that. And he's talking about things like the Logitech G Cloud to the Mio Mini and the Retroid Pocket. And the Steam Deck, of course. Um, I wouldn't say that's a renaissance or a, you know, this big movement. I think most of those things nobody plays. I think the Steam Deck and the Switch are still your two main handhelds nowadays. And I think, you know, this guy clearly yearns for a day of a legit dedicated PlayStation, like a PSP or a PS Vita. Those days are gone, just like with Nintendo. You're not going to get another Game Boy whatever when they now know, okay, instead of splitting our, our stuff with a handheld and a home console, you can do it all in one. Now, I'm not saying Project Q and Sony or Xbox would ever do that. Like, they'll still be a console. But they're trying their hands at this, like, streaming our games on the go or playing our games on the go. And I think the Steam Deck is the th the real key that showed that that's possible. And, you know, I, I guess the biggest thing is really going to be, how much is this thing going to cost? Steam Deck starts at basically 400 You can get it on sale sometimes. Um, and that does pretty much everything this probably does. But it also will allow Xbox Cloud Gaming, you can do Switch game. Like, there's so much a Steam Deck can do, it's ridiculous. And I would love to get one, but I'm not putting out that kind of money right now. 
I don't know the price point that would make a Project Q enticing to me. Like, it would honestly have to, at a minimum, be below 300. And it would have to show that it works perfectly. And, and being an Android device, I'm sure that means you could jailbreak it and do other things. I mean, at a minimum, I'm sure you can do PS Network and all the streaming services. But I hope they add something a little more robust than just that. Like, that's maybe some way that if you have games on your PS5 or PS4, you can scan them and play them. Something to that effect. That would make it more attractive. Um, the one thing I will say is that goddamn thing is enormous. Like, it's not portable. And while the Switch and all these other devices... You could see a lot of people being out in public or on the trains. I'd be shocked if you see people like just out and about with this shit. Because it's like you're holding a goddamn skateboard or a TV dinner. It's it's a little excessive. So, I don't know. I think, I think this will be another peripheral that will kind of come and go. I don't think it's going to be earth shattering. I definitely don't think it's going to break the PlayStation. It'll be just another fun little experiment for them. But I'm curious... You know, is Xbox going to do something as well now? Because what we talked about is, and we'll talk about a lot more later in this episode, with Xbox kind of cinching the whole Activision deal, and we know they're going to plan to bring Call of Duty to Switch, are they just going to stream their services to these devices, or are they going to come out with their own version of a device? Now, I know there is that, uh, I think it's called the X backbone or bone or whatever the hell it is um but you know i wonder if that'll just be a new thing we see like you'll get your standard standard console and here's kind of the handheld version i think it's a cool idea to be able to play triple a or bigger title games on the go but none of them will ever touch the switch and its success so we'll see i think i think this will be a one-time test if it doesn't do well for them they probably won't continue it, but that's just my guess. All right. Now, the meat and potatoes of the episode. Um, a lot has happened since we went on our little break. So we're going backwards a little bit, all the way back to uh, July 11th, which of course happened the day after we last recorded. But um, <clears throat> Microsoft initially finally won the fight with the FTC to buy Activision and Blizzard. And this was from a California judge, um, Judge Jacqueline Scott Corley. Um, she basically heard both arguments and said, hey, the fact that Microsoft is um, doing this deal to bring Call of Duty to PlayStation for 10 years and make it available on Nintendo to Switch is pretty much like, hey, they're, they're doing a very fair market thing. They're giving it 10 years. That's huge. Um, so I think she kind of looked at it like I think most people did, unless you're a diehard Sony fan, and said, yeah, no, like, this is kind of BS. We're, uh, I'm squashing this. They can proceed. Now, at the time... <clears throat> They were going to move ahead to the July 18th deadline to purchase Microsoft um, or, or bleh, Activision Blizzard. And then in the follow-up article from The Verge, uh, just a day later, the FTC appealed its loss to Microsoft. 
And what's interesting for those of you who don't know about like when you make an appeal is in a situation like this, they're basically just saying, hey, we still think that there's more evidence that points to uh, the reduced consumer access to Call of Duty and other Activision content. We still feel that this is an issue. Um, when you do that, then it kind of extends that existing temporary restraining order, which would block that initial sale date. So, you know, that a lot of times these appeals, even though it didn't have a lot of strength behind it, it, it allows them to delay the decision a little further, a little further. And some of the things that they tried to appeal um, is basically saying that, you know, hey, we still think that we're relying too much on Microsoft's agreements. They could go back on their agreements, which I guess they could. Uh, you know, there's some other pieces about the incentives to foreclose access to games like they have in other games. So, you know, they made the argument, but then what do you know? Just a few days later, after months and months of this bullshit back and forth, Sony finally agreed to a 10-year Call of Duty deal. So, it's there. Sony's agreed. Microsoft has agreed. And that makes basically every argument now kind of kaput for the, the um, FTC. Uh, but the only thing I have not seen... Let me, let me check this out. Um... I'm trying to see the latest news because that latest article was from um, July 17th. We're recording on 25th. Uh, I mean, it's some articles are saying that the FTC could still pause the Microsoft Activision merger. So they could still, I guess, do some things to delay it. But I don't think they're going to yeah the timeline so basically at this point microsoft and activision filed a motion with the ftc on tuesday urging the agency to withdraw its case there's little reason to believe the stc's internal judge would find issues with legality of the merger after a separate federal so they still got to battle some of this shit out in court but i think this is all just once again a delay tactic why the FTC is still trying to truly delay it makes no sense, especially now that Sony signed this deal and that we now for sure know Call of Duty coming to the Switch, or I'll just say Nintendo because it'll probably be the next Switch, is really going to be the like big selling point. So I don't know what they'll still hold over it, but as I said, sometimes they just like to kind of dick around. So, I don't know. I'm glad to see it's getting closer and closer to an end. Um, I think, for the most part, you're not going to see that much of a difference. As someone who owns both Xbox and PlayStation, cool. When on my Xbox and on my Game Pass, uh, they're gonna, I'll be able to get more access to some more Activision and Blizzard games. Um, I am a little pissed. I gotta say, a little pivot here. This whole uh, Xbox game gold going away... Now that pisses me off uh, as someone who adored the Xbox Gold system because I'm not saying the games were bangers. 
But you know what? They were easy things I could download, throw them on an external hard drive, just have them in my background if I ever want to play them. There are plenty of games that I absolutely fell in love with through that. And now it's just kind of like the PlayStation model where you'll have these like core games, but they're not really yours. And if for some reason they ever pull them, you're, you're shit out of luck. So Xbox, you had the best thing out there. And don't get me wrong, Game Pass, I still think is the best thing out there. But that little extra incentive of Xbox games uh, with gold, it's uh, that breaks my heart. You know, it's a it's a passing of an era, and I hope it doesn't go down a bad road. But you know, whatever. We'll see what this merger brings us. Uh, I think though, for gaming world people, especially Nintendo, <clears throat> if you've always wanted to play Call of Duty on your Switch or Switch-like console you'll finally have the chance. I think that's a pretty big deal. So you guys let me know what you think. Do you still think that the merger is a bad idea? Do you think there's any reason why they shouldn't do it? Let me know in the comments below. All right, so coming back, one of the things I did want to actually mention though, as much as I just shit on Xbox Game with Gold going away, um, Xbox is offering now a subscription service called Antstream Arcade, which I'll be honest, I've never heard of prior to this point, but it's um, basically like an emulation hub with a ton of games. Like There's like over 1,400 games from a ton of different systems, but a lot of, I would say, the more obscure and harder to find ones, don't crucify me when I say that, I mean like for casuals, uh, but you know, I'm talking from the Amiga, Commodore 64, ZX Spectrum, and I'm saying ZX, I'm not saying ZX. But I think that is honestly something that would appeal to someone like me because yes, I could just emulate all these things, but if you give me something for like a fairly easy price and the only thing I'm not sure of and I'm trying to look right now, um, it may just be part of the Xbox services already. But if it's a couple bucks, I'll at least try it out, you know, because there's some arcade games on there. And I love discovering old games from systems I've never really played. So that's a great deal. If you're and, and if you're into that Antstream arcade, maybe you already do it on PC, but now you'll have another way to play it. So there's a little bit of interesting news that you're getting 1500 new games coming to the Xbox very soon. But one thing I wanted to add and Jim's going to hate me because he hates when I add bits on the fly. But uh, we're nearing the end of the month. I want to talk about games coming out in the following month. So the big releases we got coming out in August 2023. We got Baldur's Gate 3. And boy, oh boy, I'm seeing a lot of news about Baldur's Gate 3. Jim will even cover it in a crusty corner where I'm sure everyone's seen it. The You can have sex with a bear. Why can you do that? I don't know. I've never played a Baldur's Gate. That does not make me want to play one, but I'm sure that'll be a big game. Atlas Falling is coming out, which I don't really know much about, um, so I can't really speak to it, but it's probably one that's going to pass me right by, just like that random, uh, what was it, that PlayStation game where the chick had the like bracelet that did shit that I feel like went nowhere. Um, the one that's obviously going to have my heart and my time is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, same folks who made Friday the 13th. 
And if you're a fan of this channel, you know I love that shit. So that will be definitely the majority of my time. I just hope the community is as cool in that game as they were in Friday the 13th. But the mechanics from when I did play it on the little playtest server, ton of fun. Then we got uh, Bomb Rush Cyberfunk, which obviously has, and once again, I apologize if I uh, am misspeaking here, I get a lot of uh, Jet Set Radio vibes from it. So it looks pretty cool. Uh, another one, if it came on free, I would probably try it, but I'm not going to go out of my way. Then we got Immortals of Avium, which don't know what that is. Um, looking up pictures, looks like a fancier Skyrim with a lot more magic power. So probably going to pass that one by. Armored Core 6. Now this is one... Um, I've never gotten into the armor cord games, but you know what? Honestly, as ironic as it is, you know, Titanfall got me a little bit more into the mech suit combat shit. And I know these games are infamous and great. Um, it looks really cool. I'll wait and see how the, re how everyone like kind of rates it. And if it has a lot of issues, but if it's something that could be fun to pick up and play, that's another one. If it ever became free, I'd play it right away. Then we got Samba de Amigo, Party Central. Looks like a cute little party game, but it's one I'll, honestly, unless I play with my kids, I'm never going to play that. And then closing out the month in August, and I'm sure we're missing a lot, but these are kind of the bigger items, is Sea of Stars, which I can only guess is like a JRPG. Yeah, it's a JRPG. Looks really cool. Has that nice little 3D effect to it. Um, as Jim and I have talked about many times, JRPGs, they just don't appeal to me. It's the anime style. It's the whatever style. I don't. I can't give a good reason why. Um, it just, it's just not for me. But it is funny because when we were on um, the podcast with the boys from Video Ditch, I mentioned that I have never actually watched an anime. Now, I do want to be clear. If you want to count the Castlevania series as on Netflix as anime, then I guess technically I have watched an anime. But any mainstream stuff, not at all. I've never watched a Dragon Ball Z. I've never watched anything else that I can even think comes close. I did want to get into um, horror anime because, as you know, I love me some horror. And on that podcast, when I mentioned all this, I said, you know, one of the horror animes I've heard that could be really good is um, Vampire Hunter D from whatever, 86, 84, whatever year it came out. And lo and behold, wouldn't you know it, I was at a Goodwill and I found Vampire Hunter D Special Edition for $2.00. So I picked it up. I actually got through about 40 minutes and then I passed out. Not because it was boring, just because I was tired of shit. Um, it's pretty goddamn crazy. I'm not going to lie. Part of what that shit started going into is part of the reason why I think anime like throws me off. When he has a goddamn, he's talking to his sword. His hand has a face on it that puts people to sleep. You're starting to lose me at that moment. You know, like, I got to be honest. That's not... I like goofiness. I like craziness. 
But I feel like I've heard animes can get really out there with their shit. And I guess I'll finish that tonight and I'll see. But, you know, that's that's the kind of stuff that makes me go, eh, maybe this isn't for me. But I still will finish it. And of what I did see, I you know, the creature designs are awesome. Um, I'm very curious why so many characters look so different. Like why the main girl has the big... I'd call it the atypical anime eyes and everyone else has like very it just it just throwing me off it's like there's multiple artists doing it not like one clear vision but I know that's based on an actual comic and I think novels as well so either way what I've asked those guys and what I'll ask you is if you think there is an anime I would enjoy obviously the closer it is the horror the better like I've heard attack on titan is great you let me know in the comments below something that I might get interested in, and I'll give it a try, assuming it's available and kind of easy to get to. All right, and the final major topic, and something I'm glad Jim uh, threw in here, uh, kind of a sad thing, but, you know, let's dive into this. So it, it, the original article Jim posted was from IGM, but I'm actually going to just direct it directly to uh, the Video Game History Foundation. I sh I'm sure other people have talked about it, but basically they did a study that stated approximately 87% of video games are, of like classic video games are gone. Um, and this study, the one of the ways they highlighted from the IGN article is that they're comparing them to silent movies, um, which say that there's only about 13% commercially available. So here's the thing. <clears throat> the study is very, very, like, it, it's very well done. <coughs> Excuse me. And if you do the Video Game Foundation, that link will be below from Game History. It kind of shows you the percentages that are missing per generation. Um, I do find it interesting that, like, some of the earliest years, like even like 85 to 89, there is a pretty he hefty amount. And then 90 to 94 is like the biggest spike. Then it actually goes down a little bit. And then from 2000 to basically 2009, it's on a steady rise. Um, now, part of this says that, you know, the problem is, and when you compare it to the silent videos, um, imagine if you had like Titanic and you really wanted to watch it but the only way to watch it was on vhs and the only way to preserve it was for like library of Cong congress the same way is to go out buy that vhs and then you'd have to go there and watch it that is pretty ridiculous right um the only thing i, I i'm gonna say is a little different is one how many video games that were just made by indie folks? And I'm not saying they're not worthy. And I'm not talking about like indie developers. I'm saying like someone like me, if I got, uh, uh, this is going to kill me, but it's called like video game maker where it's like a kind of pre-formatted drag and drop, put stuff in and add in dialogue. Uh, I'm, I'm oversimplifying it, but what if I just made a game and it was a 20 minute shit dicker game these days and there you go. That's a game that maybe I got on Steam for like 10 cents, but then you can't get it anywhere else commercially. And then it goes away. That game is now lost. So I that's the part I can't figure out is 
especially with modern day games. How many of these indie games were, I'll call them like tech demos for companies that weren't truly, truly games. Um, not saying that they don't deserve to be preserved if you really want to have an accurate history of every game ever made. But that's what's shocking to me when I see the years from like 85 to 89 and early 90s. We know there's obviously a lot of indie developers even back then and that there's a lot of third party or like kind of offshoot homebrew games. But I'm curious, you know, are they just talking about regular games that never got a report never actually uh, got re-released or just had such limited quantities. So some of the quick facts that they really want, wanted to point out to you guys is that, you know, I mentioned the 87% of classic games are not in release and they're considered critically endangered. Availability is low across every platform and time period tracking the study. Libraries and archives can digitally preserve but not digitally share video games and can provide on-premises access only. Libraries and archives are allowed to digitally share other media types, such as books, film, and audio, and are not restricted to on-premises access. So the Entertainment Software Association, the Video Game Industries Lobbying Group, has consistently fought against expanding video game preservation within libraries and archives. I guess if they are being preserved in one way or another, and I'm not saying it's they're being preserved optimally, um, I don't know, you know, when they say expand video game preservation within libraries and archives, are they just fighting that they want them to be able to be shared? Are they fighting that it needs to be better documented? Um, because video games in, in the grand scheme of everything, you know, you're, they're like from like 75 on. And even then it was super rudimentary. So it's still a fairly new thing. And I do appreciate that a group like this exists and they're really going out of their way. Um, the only issue I think I have with comparing it to silent movies is like, man, silent films as, as a side project that I'm doing. One of the things is like looking up the history of like, say like horror films and between copies, literally like they were only on a couple reels and got burned or worse, purposefully burned. Or during, you know, going through multiple world wars and other wars, you'd have occupying countries or whatever come in there and just eliminate entire archives of basically movies you can never get again. Because they didn't have that, that ability. Now here's the big elephant in the room. I'm not saying emulation is the solution because it's illegal. But... For a preservation purpose to understand that this game existed that may be your only safe bet as like the backup to the backup because i watched a few other folks like the completionist and a few people talk about this um item and they're like you know if you don't play a game on its original hardware then no matter what you're playing is kind of a uh deduced version like 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 you're 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 playing not a true form of it so they're even saying like if you play a perfectly emulated thing on the switch of an nes game or on the xbox of an arcade game it's not like the original doesn't matter if it's the same software uh 
you need the hardware and you need all the little funkiness because um, whatever version you get might have like bugs fixed, might have this and that. I appreciate that. As someone who's into classic cars, if you want to restore it to complete OEM, there's certain things you got to make sure you do and don't do with the car. So if you're taking that same caliber to a video game, I do understand it. However, if you're just worried about the preservation, like what's more important? Worrying about that people know these games existed and must be able to play it in the exact way they were meant to be played or that in some form or another, even if it's not perfect, even if it's a little tweaked, you might be able to still play every single Amiga game because it's on it's somewhere being emulated and someone does have those ROMs. Personally, I say as long as you have the ROMs and you understand that the game existed. I'm not saying you can always perfectly recreate hardware, but that's a lot better than just hoping people are going to properly preserve it or maybe re-release hardware. Like Jim and I have covered a, for a long time. I love the resurgence of like like modern homebrew games that are still made for original nes genesis game boy like our buddy's retro uh room i love that and i'm i'm still amazed people do that and you know i want them to keep doing that however that's always constantly now expanding what you define as games for that system right so the number of NES games, what is it, 700 or 800 games? If you really count in homebrews, that could be 3,000, 4,000. Like, the number could be never-ending. So, just getting the original games, getting the ROMs, I think is going to be by far the most important. Um, pulling it back to, like, silent vi movies, you know, like Nosferatu, one of my favorite horror movies of all time sorry about my ring thing um that for a very long time was considered lost thank god it wasn't but if you've ever watched nosferatu i guarantee you if you watch another copy there is something different maybe one is in black and white maybe another is like in a blue tinted or they use different um filters like yellow red blue to give it atmosphere a lot of them actually do add in a suggested like organ sound or soundtrack to those movies to to enhance the atmosphere but really if you tried to be a purist the only way you would have seen that back in the day is you go to a theater where you had someone on the organ and live they were playing it while the movie was showing now for practical effects that obviously can't be done so we've settled on dvds and quote-unquote copied and emulated versions i know it's a little more technical than that when you're talking about video games but that's why i just keep going back to just make sure somebody is copying and, and keeping those roms somewhere and we know i hate to say it you can't rely on some big company to come swoop in and like we we're gonna make sure we do it all right even library of congress other libraries they can only do so much and they're not, if they're not legally allowed to share that stuff, yeah, you're not ever going to see it. So emulate until it makes, it forces the hand of folks. The same way I would almost argue Napster and LimeWire and sharing music force the music industry to say, 
all right we'll stop making you buy this entire album when really all you guys want is one song the whole model changed not saying the way you consume music nowadays is better than that i'm just saying you can force things if you show there's enough of a demand so i'm not advocating you go out and get roms and emulate but i think that is a big stopgap to ensure basically like this stuff will never disappear forever because if there is a if there's an appetite and there's a need and there's a want for it the shit will live on um I do love all these Xbox Game Pass, PlayStation Plus, and Switch Online. They're great. But you know what? Even with some of the goofy titles they throw at you, they can't capture everything. And it all kind of is only there as long as the server's up. So, I don't know. I do think this is a big issue. Um, but of the percentage of the this huge percent of games that are not commercially available, I still make that argument like, well, how much of it do we care is missing because uh, i did mention like the completionist and he he did that crazy shit where he bought every wii u game because the wii u shop was gone <clears throat> and he's showing all these games and some of them literally he says himself are like a tech demo not saying it doesn't need to be preserved but no i am saying does it need to be preserved like i don't know the answer to that um and, and as we know from all these companies, they're going to go where the money is. So at the end of the day, you know, do your part, save your games or, or emulate, do your ROMs, write to whoever you can, support the video game history folks. Um, you know, I hope they do a better job at documenting everything. I'll just say that. So we don't end up in a situation really comparable to silent films where shit is truly gone forever all right and closing out the episode we actually have some uh, voicemails so i'm gonna go ahead and play it i hope i can sync it up as cleanly as i usually can but let's just say i'll go ahead and play the first one in three two one hey boys it's been a while yeah i'm not doing good with this uh 23 for 23 I've only just beaten game six, Callisto Protocol. So it's uh, that game. I beat Modern Warfare 2, Modern Warfare WW2, Last of Us, the Harry Potter game, and a game called Bloodwash, which I think, I think y'all might like. It's, it's not puppet combo, but it's kind of a puppet kind of combo type of game. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing, I'm not doing good on the 23. Uh, Yeah, that's a big pause. Yeah, really about it. I just haven't called y'all in like a couple of months. And I just wanted to put my voice out there again. Let y'all know that I'm still thinking about you. Oh, I did buy a cool pair of shoes. But other than that, yeah, man. <laughs> Always Bye. love you, TJ. Thank you for the message. Um, yeah, I said at the beginning, you know. It's been a struggle, I think, for a lot of folks. I think last year, uh, Level 50 Club, I know, burnt out me and Jim to a good degree. But, you know, I do what you can. Do what you're... I mean, you named off some great games. Modern Warfare 2, WW2, Last of Us, Harry Potter, Bloodwash. I love that game. Um, I did stream that. So, yeah, it's uh, made by Torture Star. So, it's 
very much like other puppet combo games but it's not just it's just not made by them um and yeah dude we always appreciate you calling in love hearing your voice like hearing that you're still doing good i would love to know what cool pair of shoes you bought um so thank you bud always appreciate it tj and cheers let's see the next one three two one so i've been stocking my emulator uh with legally obtained uh roms anyway so i was wondering while i'm doing this i realized that 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 we all know that japanese box art just seems to be way better than the american box art and so i was wondering if you guys can think of any example whatsoever where the american box art was better than the japanese box art uh objectively and if you can't think of one uh i guess just what do you what do you which one do you like more all right bye bye uh number one i i don't know who gave that um but i love i love me a good comparison of box arts uh box arts are one of those things i think are very very underutilized um but you know i so to be honest since i am very i am woefully uh i i am woefully ill-informed about this i just clicked on an article uh that shows a bunch of covers that was an old article from like 2009 um from gaming game informer but i'm looking right here so uh first one right off the bat i'd say american is much better is uh odd world abe's odyssey japanese one i do not and i'll put the picture up i am not a fan it's a little too goofy uh it looks more like a dreamcast game whereas the odd world one looks good the next we have uh crimson skies and it's tough i think the japanese might be a little better here because there's a lot more action going on like it's just more of this you know the american one looks like an american movie poster you always had those goddamn portrait photos of the man and the woman and then some planes whereas the japanese is just planes fighting so that's a little more action oriented although the american's a little more cinematic um final fantasy 12 you got a very simplistic picture from the japanese and then you got um a little once again a little more cinematic i call it the you know the atypical uh, avengers really perfected it, if it to a degree but uh, all the characters in the center so i don't know which one i prefer here i think the japanese one has a cooler obviously art design but there is something nicer looking about the american one then we have uh, Rise from Lair or Lair, Lair, Lair. I don't. I'm fucking it up. The one, the Japanese one, two dragons fighting each other. But the one on the right, the, the knight looks pretty badass, and there's a dragon at the bottom. So I might go the American one for that. Uh, no more heroes. I am definitely going with the American one. I think for a game that looks like a comic book, that one looks really good. Uh, like it, it, it looks very comic-y, if you will. 
Uh, Okami. Hmm, that's a tough one. Probably going with the American one because I like the uh, the wolf, and I don't know much about Okami, but I like that the wolf's a little bigger. Pikmin two. Mm, that's kind of a toss-up. It's really realistic versus simplistic. I think American one looks better there, too. New Blood. Ugh. I guess I'll go with the Japanese one, where it kind of looks like Trauma Center New Blood. kind of looks like a sitcom, whereas the one on the right, it's just too boring. And then uh, Yakuza. Uh, definitely going with American again. While the Japanese one is kind of cool, the one on the right, with the dragon tattoo and all the shit going on behind them. Looks a lot, a lot, a lot better. So let me see. I'm going to click on another article here. So, bud, I think uh, I, I like your your argument, but let, let's keep it going. So this next one is from blog.gocollect.com. And... Okay... Uh, so the first one up is obviously Final Fantasy 3 versus what it should have been Final Fantasy 6. Um, yeah, I'll give it to Final Fantasy 6. That's a little more interesting. Super Mario Brothers. Uh, hmm. The Japanese cover is obviously much better, but you know what? I am a goddamn sucker for Black Box. And yes, it is super simplistic, but... I don't know. That's my nostalgia kicking in there, so it wouldn't be a fair comparison. Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. You know what? This is one where I'm actually going to say, with the Zelda games, I like the more simplistic. Like the sword and shield. It says something in that kind of gold like banner. It's a little more profound than just seeing Link standing there. So I might actually go American there. Castlevania Symphony of Night, another one. I love the castle backdrop with the lightning, but Alucard on there. Um, ooh. See, the Japanese one's very busy. This one's, I'm going to give a tie. I'm going to give a tie to that. Phalanx. I don't even know what to say about this one. I guess the one on the right is closer to what the game actually is. But God damn it, if that stupid ass, you know, redneck playing a banjo doesn't make you go, what the hell is that? And it gets you more interested in the game. That's just genius marketing. So I don't know which one. I mean, obviously the one on the right is better. If you want to know what the game's about, the one on the left will get your eye better. And then Guardian Legend, um, oh yeah, I would definitely say Japan, or even the PAL version. I mean, don't get me wrong, the USA version's not bad, but I'll probably go with the other ones. Metal Gear Solid, gotta go Japanese one. Um, Mega Man. <sighs> this one pisses me off because that... that I never understood that cover art. Why, why, he's hold, why he's holding gun? Why he's the colors he is? Um, 
But it is kind of a cool cover. I'll give it a tie. Eco. Mm, I'm not a fan of either one, to be honest. Chrono Trigger. I think that's a tie for me. So yeah, um, I, I don't think it's unanimous that Japan, Japanese cover art's better. I think it's much busier, and I think in, in most of the time it's going to be much more cartoony. Um, but then again, that goes back to, I'm not a big fan of anime and the overly cartoony drawn stuff. So I think American cover art tries to appeal to American sensibilities and like being a little more clever with their marketing whereas Japanese just try to be like very just as artistic as possible and colorful and da 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 which if that's what you like then you're always going to prefer it but no thank you for the question bud really appreciate it and I want to say thank you to everyone who has watched don't worry we are going to get back right into the swing of things Jim and I together um, but you know I hope you guys did enjoy yourselves and if you did please make sure you hit that like and subscribe button and if you're listening on itunes or spotify if you hit subscribe and give us a five star rating we will read each and every review you leave for us so with that i want to say have a good night everyone and cheers